The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. And so tonight is the night. Millions of people all over the world are going to gather around their TV sets for one reason and one reason only, to find out how Jack dies on This Is Us after the Super Bowl. By the way, if you went last night or listened to Jay Recto's sermon, he stole the joke from me. I just want to make that point. But in all seriousness, tonight is the Super Bowl. So who do you got? How many are you rooting for the Patriots? Wow, there is somebody not named Vieira rooting for the Patriots. What do you know? How many of you are rooting for the Eagles? Now, how many of you are actual Eagles fans and not just rooting for the Patriots to lose? Chevy, that's it. Yeah, my figured. So uh, <laughs> that's about what I thought. But tonight's big storyline is about which quarterback is going to make history. Is it going to be Tom Brady, the one that so many consider the GOAT, the greatest of all time, winning his sixth Super Bowl? Or will the unknown Nick Foles, the super sub, the, backup, the guy that was a backup quarterback just a few weeks ago, who got thrown into the starting role, will he be able to pull off history and do what only Eli Manning can do? Beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And so we're wondering, who's going to make history? Which quarterback will make history tonight? And that begs the question, what quarterback really is the greatest of all time? What quarterback has been to the most championship games and won the most championship games in history? And if you think it's Tom Brady, you are wrong. Your next thought is, was it Joe Montana? Terry Bradshaw? Nope. The man's name and the team he played for, a little bit of a surprise, his name is Otto Graham. And he played for the Cleveland Browns of all teams. True story, Otto Graham played 10 years of professional football, and every single year he played, Otto Graham led the Cleveland Browns to the championship game. He won the first five he was in, and he won seven out of 10. You want to talk about the greatest of all time? He's been to more championships. He won more championships. He also played defense and special teams. He was on the field literally for every play of the game. Not only that, he played without a face mask. I'd like to see either of the quarterbacks tonight try that one on. And let's face it, there can't be a better football name than Otto Graham, can there? It just sounds like a football player. But yet, when we talk about who is the greatest quarterback of all time, not a single person will mention Otto Graham. And you want to know why? There's one reason why. It happened over 65 years ago before we came up with the cool nickname, Super Bowl. And what lesson do we learn from that? Well, it's simple. No matter what Tom Brady or Nick Foles does on the field tonight, 65 years from now, no one's gonna care. We'll have moved on to the next flavor of the month. The truth is neither guy's gonna make history tonight. They're gonna receive their fleeting moment of success, but that's it. Too often, we live life like it's a 60-minute football game. Our aim is to gain instant success in the moment, but in the process, we actually forfeit living our life in such a way that, that it could matter in the future to try and get success out of the here and now. 
In the process, we're left with the questions, what am I doing that actually matters? What about how I live my life will outlast my time here on earth? I mean, if winning the Super Bowl isn't going to cause Tom Brady or Nick Foles to go down in history, what chance do I have to do anything that will matter 65 years from now? Well, we're going to pick up the story of a man in the book of Genesis named Abraham, and we're going to pick it up at a time where it looks like Abraham's life was a complete failure, where it looks like Abraham, everything he had done in his life amounted to zip, to nothing. See, Abraham was a man that God had given two big promises to. He had promised him that if he left his homeland, God would give him a great promised land and that he and his wife Sarah would have a son and through that son, God would create a, the greatest nation on earth that would bless all the other nations on earth. And yet here we are as chapter 18 of Genesis opens. Abraham is almost 100 years old. That promised land? Nah. Abraham's still just wandering the countryside with nowhere to call home a nomad. That son, <laughs> he's almost 100 years old. His wife Sarah is 89. Guess what? No son. It appears that Abraham has done nothing in his life that will matter 65 seconds from now, much less 65 years. And so you would think that maybe Abraham was bitter and angry. I would be. I'd be like, wow, God, I did everything you asked, and look what has happened. And so chapter 18 opens up. God is actually appears to Abraham in the form of three men. And, and look, I'm going to give you the Dave Johnson version. This is how Dave Johnson would have reacted in Abraham's shoes. God, where are you? I did everything you asked. I left my home. I gave up everything. Where are your promises now? You abandoned me. And my life is meaningless. But you know what? Abraham didn't respond that way. And so we're going to learn from Abraham today. We're going to read verse 3 and 4. This is Abraham's response in this situation, when God showed up and appeared to him, Abraham said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. You see, in spite of Abraham's less than stellar service, circumstances, Abraham's desire was to serve God. Too often we're guilty of saying, God, if you want to show favor in my life, then give me a great family or improve my job status or let me, let me be somebody who can make a huge difference. Change something about my circumstance. But in contrast, what Abraham said was, God, if I have found favor in your eyes, let me serve you. You see, God's, God's favor is not supposed to be motivation for God to serve us, but for us to serve God. Doing something that matters with your life begins with a matter of the heart. 
So in this moment, as God sees Abraham's heart to serve him in spite of his circumstances, God again reiterates his promise to Abraham to give him a son. And as God reiterates this promise, Sarah, Abraham's wife, is like just around the corner listening into everything. And I, I, I love Sarah because she responds in the way that, that everybody else would be thinking. You know, she gets a bit of a bad rap, but the truth is we can kind of understand where she's coming from. So as Sarah overhears God again speaking his promise to give them a son, this is Sarah's response starting in verse 12. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? She's going, man, I'm old and worn out. And Abraham over there, he's even further gone than I am. We're going to have a baby? <laughs> she was laughing at the absurdity of it. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Now, you notice God did not, you know, condemn Sarah for what she said. And in fact, he reiterated his promise again to Abraham, which leads you to believe that Sarah was simply saying out loud what Abraham was thinking. They were laughing at the absurdity of it. But here's the thing. God's favor does not always line up with our facts. You see, Sarah saw her own limitations because of her age. And that made her believe that she couldn't receive God's favor in her life. She wasn't so much doubting God's ability as she was doubting whether she was a good enough vessel to receive God's promise and God's favor in her life. And oftentimes we do the same thing. Making a difference in our neighborhood, that's for somebody better than me living a life that could matter long after I'm gone, that, that's for the Patrick Gratches of the world. That's not for me. I'm not good enough. And we talk ourselves down and we think because of our own limitations. But here's the thing. God is saying to you today, is anything too hard for him? And what God wants us to do is to stop looking at how limited we are and start looking at how unlimited God is. We continue on with this story in verse 16 through 18. It says, when the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all the nations on earth will be blessed through him. What God was saying is that Abraham would get to see the beginning of the realization of God's promises in his life. Abraham's life was about to matter so much longer than anything that Tom Brady or Nick Foles could possibly do on a football field tonight. Because living a life of true significance, it's not about receiving the favor of men and women. It's about receiving favored status from God. And so today, if you're taking notes, whether on your smartphone or on paper, this is what I want you to write down as the main idea today. Discover God's 
favor. Discover God's favor. Now, there's a reason this morning that I've been doing this whole quarterback thing. Besides, it's just the Super Bowl tonight. Um, I want to share with you today uh, uh, an interview that Nick Foles, uh, the, the quarterback for the Eagles tonight, that he did with uh, World Serve International. And uh, in this interview, he shares about the moment where he truly found God in his life. Would you watch the video with me? I grew up in a Christian household. My mom um, is a really strong believer. Um, so I, I knew Bible verses growing up. I went to church, but I knew who Jesus was, but I hadn't given my life to him. I sort of lived my faith through my mother's faith, but I didn't realize that till later. My senior year of high school, let's go back to that. I tore my, my throwing shoulder, three fourths of the way around labrum tear. Couldn't play my senior year of basketball. That was one of my favorite sports and I was excited for my senior year. Had to sit out and recover from shoulder surgery. I was in summer training, summer workouts, and my arm was about 40%. And you report to a college football team that's a good football team, and you're, you're throwing shoulders 40%, you're trying to throw, and it's not fun. Well, the first month of school, both my grandmothers passed away. Um, a lot of different things were going on. And I remember I was sitting in my, my truck, and I just started crying. And I just started praying. And I was like, God, I, I don't have any strength. I don't have any confidence. I have no guidance. I really am gonna, I trust you. I trust you with all my heart. I, I'm giving you everything I have. I believe in your son. I believe in Jesus Christ. And I pray that you do your will with me. Um, and really at that moment, I look at that moment in my life and that's when I gave my life to Christ. And that's when, you know, everyone thinks like you become a Christian, everything's good. Hey, there was a ton of struggles from then on out, but I always had Christ. I always had the gospel. I always had, my brothers and sisters in Christ to lean on and teach me. And wherever I went, God had God always placed someone there for me to help me grow. And I look back and I'm so grateful for that because now I'm 28 years old and I get to be that person for someone, to be for a rookie coming into the locker room. Uh, for my wife, I'm married and I, I'm leading my household and my wife is also a believer. We just had our first child, a daughter, um, Lily, five weeks ago. and. Um, I get to lead her, and she gets to make that decision someday. And I just look back to that moment I gave my life to Christ, and everything changed for me. Did you catch it in the testimony? Yeah, see, Nick Foles did not find the favor of God two weeks ago in the NFC Championship when he won the right to play in the Super Bowl. No, he found it at the lowest point in his life. God's favor wasn't in front of the cameras but it was behind the tears at the steering wheel of his beat up old pickup truck. And here's the lesson we need to learn. God's favor doesn't look like human success. Let me say it again. If you forget everything else I say today, remember this. God's favor in your life does not look like human success. Human success is fleeting. God's favor is forever. And the good news of that is that God's favor, it's not dependent on the circumstances around us. It's not dependent whether life is good or life is bad. God's favor is not found in the brand of car you drive, the size of your house, or the status of your job. It's not found in the respect of men and women. It's not about where you are in this life. It's about what's going on inside your heart today. 
See, unfortunately, though, you and I, we were all born with a heart that desired to be selfish, to live for ourselves, to seek success in the moment for ourselves rather than God. And that heart, it led us, uh, that sinful nature led us to make decisions that went in opposition to God. And the Bible, the Bible calls those decisions sin. Those sins led us to a place and they, they, are, they corrupt and sabotage our best intentions. Inwardly, sin can destroy your mind and your emotions. Outwardly, it can really, literally wreck your world. But the worst part is it leaves us cut off from God and leaving us with an eternal death sentence. But here's the cool thing. Because God loved us so much, because God wanted to show his favor to his children so much that when he saw us facing an eternal death sentence, his heart couldn't bear it. So he sent his only son to earth, his only son, Jesus. And Jesus lived the perfect sinless life. And though he had never done anything wrong, he still faced the death penalty when he was crucified on a cross for you and me. He took your death penalty and my death penalty on himself so that if we could simply be willing to put our trust in him, we would no longer have to face that. But instead, in place of our eternal death penalty, he gives us eternal life. If you've never made that decision, if you have never made the decision to make Jesus a part of your life, to follow Jesus, I want you to know you can start to experience the favor of God in your life today. Today is your opportunity. And in a few moments, I'll tell you how you can do that. But here's the more good news. It's full of good news today. Making that decision to follow Jesus, it's not the end of experiencing God's favor in your life. It is simply the beginning. God wants to do so much more with your life. He wants your life to matter so much beyond this fleeting moment of life. So that leaves us with the question, how do we live our lives? What, do, what is our part? What can we do to discover God's favor the way Abraham did? Well, let's look back to the story of Abraham to learn a couple of lessons about how we can discover God's favor. So Genesis 18, verse 19, we're going to pick up, and this is God speaking. And he says, for I have chosen him, meaning Abraham, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised. You see, here's what we see. Abraham was not chosen for his physical prowess, his leadership ability, or his position in society. Abraham was chosen for his desire to follow God's will and to pass on to others a desire to follow not Abraham, but to follow God's will. And so that's the first lesson. We discover God's favor when we do God's will. Abraham could have allowed his past to limit him. He could have allowed his age to limit him. But instead, he followed God's will. And he followed God's will not because of the circumstances that he lived in, but in spite of them. Did you catch it on the testimony? Nick Foles, after he had that experience with God, what brings joy in his life? 
passing on to others. You see, he's not so concerned about the fleeting moment of success on the football field as he is passing on to others a desire to serve God. We will be most remembered not for our human successes, even if we were to do something as great as winning a Super Bowl, but we will be remembered for how well we pass on the right motives, the right desires, and the right decisions to the next generation so that they will not only follow in our footsteps, but so that they will do it even better than we did. You see, God's favor is not seen in our life by how many people are following us. And I don't mean Twitter. But God's favor is seen in our life by how many people take the torch and pass us on by better than we ever did. You want your life to matter? It's not about what you can do. It's about pouring your life into others so that God can use them. Your faith is the most valuable thing you have to pass on. That faith is, it's not seen in making a living, receiving praise or gaining positions. It's seen through praying, giving, and serving. Abraham was nearly 100 years old. He'd long since passed the point of hoping to see God's promises come true in his life, but he kept after God's will anyway. God's favor will be found by those who have the guts to follow his will in spite of the circumstances of their life. Whether it's good or bad, whether we receive human success or not, God's favor does not look like human success. So to discover God's favor, we must do God's will. Let's look back again at Abraham to find the second lesson today about how to discover God's favor. Now we're going to look back at, at verse 22 and to set up What's happening here in chapter 18, God has now told Abraham that he intends to destroy the city of Sodom because of the wickedness that existed in the city. And Abraham, well, Abraham didn't quite think God had it right, honestly. God, I think you've got this one a little bit wrong. Well, let's pick it up. Let's let Abraham speak. Verse uh, 22 through 24, it says, the men turned away and went towards Sodom. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? I mean, what's he really saying? He's like, God, you're doing this wrong, right? You know, you're, you're not doing this the right way. I, I mean, what if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of, of the 50 righteous people in it? And you know what? God actually relented and said, you know what? If there are 50 righteous people, I will not destroy the city. And Abraham goes on with this. And he says, well, okay, then well, what about 45? Because he's convinced God's way is not really going to work. That God doesn't really want it. This is not the right way, God. God says, okay, I won't for 45. Okay, so how about 40, God? Okay, I won't for 40. Then he gets bold and starts counting by tens. 30, 20, 10. And it's interesting how it ends after 10. 
when God says, I won't destroy it for 10 righteous people. Because I think it finally dawns on Abraham that maybe this is best left to God to decide. Because it records that after God says that, Abraham actually doesn't say another word. He just turns and goes back into his tent. Because I think it finally dawns on him that maybe I should leave this decision to God. And see, here's the thing. We need to leave the decisions to God. We discover God's favor when we do God's will, but we also, we discover God's favor when we follow God's will, God's way. We discover God's favor when we follow God's will, God's way. Have you ever known what, what God's will was, but you wanted to try to make it happen on your own? Or maybe you looked around at circumstances and thought, this isn't really what God had in mind. I'll, I'll have to fix it myself, right? I'd like to tell you that I'm an expert at this, but the truth is, this is a lesson that took me about 20 years to learn. When I was about 18, I felt God calling me to ministry, and so I went about doing things Dave's way, the way I thought it should happen. God, may, you know, God had put some promises in my heart, and so I went about doing what I knew would make those promises happen. So I went to Bible college. I became a, a youth pastor. I tried really hard. I took, you know, when I was offered different positions, I would take them, and I was trying to be the, the best minister I could be. And then I took, eventually I took a job as a senior pastor and kept working hard to try and be a, a, a good pastor and a good minister and to do what God, you know, to make God's promises happen. And you know what I found out? There's a lot of angry people out there. There's a lot of people that can, and, and I found that all my efforts were getting me nowhere. I felt like God's promises were never gonna be true and I walked away from ministry. I quit, and I quit angry and bitter, feeling like, God, you made promises to me and you didn't deliver. You abandoned me. So, took a few years, but God began to heal my heart. And then in 2005, at the, as we were moving to Hagerstown, I was, uh, we were in the uh, parking lot of, Woodbridge Apartments after signing a lease and in that parking lot we met some insane person. His name is Patrick Gratch. Um, and before we were done talking to him, we drove off going, I think we just agreed to be his youth pastor. And so we did. And here's the thing, I still didn't quite get this lesson because for years I felt like Lifehouse was my second chance at ministry. And, and I was so grateful and thankful, but I still didn't, what I didn't realize was until a few years later and God walked me through some other things, I finally dawned on me. God's promises were real in my life in the bad times too. He'd never abandoned me. I'd never, I'd never failed God in that sense. I'd never made myself such that God couldn't fulfill his promises. His promises were just as real then in the bad times as they ever are in the good times. And I look back and I think, man, all that wasted energy, all the anger and bitterness that I had to walk through. And what I realize now is 
My anger and bitterness, they, it wasn't caused by the actions of others or the circumstances life had brought my way. The anger and bitterness was caused by my own inability to trust that God's promises were true in spite of the circumstances of my life. I wish I could go back and relive that with that lesson in hand, but that's not how it works. Some of us, it takes a long time to learn these lessons. And it took me 20 years to figure it out. But here's the deal. God wants to use the trials, the fires, the challenges, and yeah, sometimes even the pains of life to grow an even greater work in and through us. You see, God's favor doesn't look like human success. God's favor, it's not found up on this stage. It's found changing diapers in the nursery or serving coffee in the cafe. God's favor is not found in what appears to be human success. God's favor is found by trusting his way, by doing God's will, God's way. God wants to pour his favor out in your life. Just don't make the mistake of thinking it's gonna look like human success. So I wanna close in prayer this morning. And I wanna pray with you and for you. And here's how I wanna pray first. If you've never made that decision, to make Jesus a part of your life, here is your chance. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And here's, when we pray, all you've got to do in your own words, in your own way, God doesn't care about your fancy words. He doesn't care how you say it. Just let God know in your own heart that you want to let him into your life. And then we would love it if you would tell us afterwards. We're going to have a, we have a banner in the lobby that says raised to life. Somebody will be there. We'd love the chance to just celebrate with you the beginning of God's favor and his promises in your life today, if you're making that decision. For the rest of you, I want to pray over you. And I want to pray that you would learn to do God's will, God's way. You see, I know, I get it. Sometimes, sometimes we want to... uh, We want to find God's favor in human success. And when we don't find success in the moment, we start to feel like we're never going to find God's favor and his promises in our life. And I also know that sometimes we want to keep control of the agenda. Yeah, we want to follow God's will, but we kind of want to go about it our way. I want to pray today that God would release us from that desire and that human need to control the agenda of life. Will you join me in prayer right now? Let's pray. God, I pray first for those making that decision to let you into your life, God, into their life right now. God, we just lift them up to you. And God, I pray that as you come into their life, they would feel your favor and your promises on their life, Lord God. Lord, we know life can be difficult like it was for Abraham and even for Nick Foles, God. But we also know that you can be discovered in those difficult moments and that your favor does not look like human successes. So God, we pray right now, God, for every one of us that we would have the courage and the guts to follow your will, your way 
today. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.